Coming to you from the FlexFox Fantasy Federation's World Broadcasting Headquarters in Ottawa, this is The Weekly Show. As always, I'm your host, Nick the Man Penner, and I'm joined once again by WizKid Jeremiah Johnson. And our special guest this week, as you may or may not have heard on Slack, uh, we have Jathish uh, three, three can the Raja. Did I get it? That's close. The first syllable was off, but... Well, you know, strong. That's what counts. Yeah, and like Jathish is just such a good mononym. Like you should just go by that. Forget last names. Jathish. It's the future. Let's call him Jath. Jath does call me this. Jath. Yeah. Let's call him Rockin' Jath. That's his nickname on the show. (laughs) Rockin' Jath. (laughs) That's what we're gonna call him. Perfect. I would just like to point out that Rock and Jath is like the fifth co-host to sit in this chair. We've done a good job. Uh, I know Jamil is still in whatever country we think he's in, uh, but we've done a good job keeping the the seat warm for you, Jamil, and uh, getting some good good content out in the meantime with lots of fun people. I mean, in fact, last week we had two people sitting on top of each other in that chair. It was very warm. It's true, very warm. <laughs> uh. And speaking of warm, it was a hot week in the league last week. Uh, I think it's officially being dubbed Upset City, uh, just because it was wild from end to end. Uh, When we recorded our podcast midweek, I don't think anyone predicted it being as uh, crazy as it was. So uh, I'm excited to talk to you guys about it and see what you guys think of some of these more interesting results. Yeah, it was definitely wonderful, my match beside uh, well, I guess we can just get right into it with what has got to be like the matchup of the week, uh, an absolute showdown, a huge rivalry classic, uh, and it ended with, I guess, what you'd have to consider to be the hottest team in the league right now coming up with the W. That's right. Of course, I'm talking about Jeffrey Lim defeating Jeffrey Chow <laughs> by a score of 255 to 155. Jeffrey Lin, two win streak. I mean, this is incredible. We never yeah. should have doubted him. <laughs> uh, I won't go that far because that's like a scorching hot take. But Jeffrey Lim is putting himself into the Europa Championship conversation with wins like this. To look at this week, especially, we have to look at just how poorly Jeffrey Chow did. Because a week like this makes you seriously reconsider if he's even going to make the playoffs at this rate. Like, this is pretty poor. Yeah, but, like, we harp on this every single week. And every single week I put together a defense. And, like, five players on the DL. I mean, I guess Zach Britton's back, I think. No, he's not. Okay. Five players, six players, whatever. I mean, he's getting healthy, but... 155 points, I will admit, is very low, even for my expectations. Well, not only is it low, but he is looking absolutely hashtag exposed with just how poorly his offense did all week. I mean, he only has two batters in double digits, one of whom is Tommy Joseph. So this is just like a complete collapse for him. Uh, I really think he's got to be nervous now because it's looking very tough going forward from here. The return of Donaldson will definitely help out his team, but it's looking like he should definitely shore up um, some other elements. Like, the bullpen for sure is something that all the contending teams 
could really use a huge improvement in. As even when, like even when your hitters don't hit, like your bullpen guys are still going to get saves. Like they're consistent. Mm. Well, the thing I would say though is like a lot of this is out of your hands. So like, what do we expect Jeffrey Chow to actually do? Because like he can't make, you know, Dexter Fowler play better or Ben Zobris not suck. Like, there's only a few things he can do. So. Well, I mean, I don't want to call him out for his trade negotiation tactics, but it feels like Chow, like maybe a lot of owners in this league, like he's not alone in this, but a lot of guys so far in this season have been holding their cards really close to their chest, and they're not taking a deal unless they feel absolutely certain it's a clear win for their team. And like, that will be a maybe a conservative strategy. It's it's very defensive not to make these deals. But if you're in a position now, like Chow is, you got to start taking some chances, I think, in the trade market. And you got to open up a little bit and say, you know, maybe I will throw in some extra draft picks to get a guy I want. Maybe I am willing to let a guy go for a, a little bit less than what I think, maybe personally, I think he's worth. Uh, and I think that's a, a key determinant in who's going to have long-term success. I completely agree with this. And I've been meaning to ask you about this, considering there's an argument that you were guilty of it last year. Like, how did it feel at the end of the season when you didn't trade any of your prospects and didn't end up getting much for them? Was that at me or Jeremiah? That was at you. Uh, well, I mean, I think uh, I would. it was a learning experience for sure. Like, I, I definitely think there were deals I could have made last season that I didn't. Uh, but, I mean, I can sympathize where with where Chow is coming from here. For sure. Just in the sense of you don't want to give up on guys too soon. But, I mean, Chow, like, we all agree Chow is all in on a championship, right? Like, there's not really a, a good consolation for him here. Chow is all in on using a gimmick to try to beat us because just beating us is not satisfactory. <laughs> I mean, but, he, he has a pedigree to do whatever he wants. <laughs> but, but like, at the same time, as someone on the opposite end of the spectrum who makes all the trades he wants all the time, um, probably even when, like, it's counterintuitive to most people, I think Nick's point is, like, spot on. Because, like, I talk to a lot of people about potential players. And, like, frankly, I could name, like, half a dozen general managers in this league that like if you are not paying extremely over like overvalue for a certain player they won't move that player and like someone like chow who we could talk about who's guilty of this is ash he's very guilty of this but at the same time like maybe chow doesn't feel like he has to right if he doesn't feel like he has to he should uh, but yeah, I mean, and I think like it, this is maybe a, a very narrow thing, but I feel like there's a real trend now where every deal you see has to have draft picks involved and no, nobody makes one for one player trades anymore. Not even two for one or two for two. Like it's everything is hedged with these draft picks and that can be a good way of recouping some value in a, in a trade, but it also can really hold you back. If everyone is insistent on draft picks going their way and a deal falls apart over that, I mean, that's silly. I mean, some of it is because it's just really fun to negotiate with somebody about like getting a 23rd rounder pack because, you know, like ultimately it's stupid, but it's just it's just a fun experience. It just makes the game more realistic, like real life general managers in MLB might not trade draft picks, but it just makes the experience more whole. Yeah. 
Fair, fair. Uh, I'll accept that. Somehow, like, as terrible as this sounds, like, the fact you're getting back a one-round upgrade at, like, the end of the draft, which you'll most likely not even it notice. It feels good. It feels good, yeah. Like, even though you might be getting hosed in the main portion of the deal, <laughs> this draft pick, like, frankly makes the deal even in your mind. That's all that matters. Uh, I recently completed my trade with Aiden, uh, which involved me giving up my worth, worst draft pick. Uh, which was my 25th from Garth. Uh, and uh, I kind of felt a little bit bad because I was so excited to have a draft pick at the top of the 25th that it, it was a little heartbreaking to have to give that up. So, yeah, absolutely true. <laughs> I mean, if you want more, I do have six 25s right now. So He's, he's open for business. <laughs> <laughs> um well, what we really need to do is get into conditional draft pick swaps, like oh, they do in the NBA. My God, really, I, I really fuck up some spreadsheets. That that is to reiterate that is strictly illegal under the Constitution because that's just a pain to enforce and to remember. Well, spe- yeah, don't do it. <laughs> Speaking of teams that don't read the Constitution and probably will be last in this league. Wesley got absolutely destroyed by Ryan. Uh, yeah, it was a, a big week for... Well, not a big week, but Ryan did well to get 225 points. Uh, Wesley did not do very well and got 91 points. So uh, it turns out Goliath won this David v. Goliath matchup. This is like Goliath stepped on David, and that was the end of it. Like, it's impressive to only score 91 points as far as I'm concerned. That's a talent. And that's like, even with all, like, deliberately benching guys, like, yeah. this team just sucks. Yeah. Like, wow. Well, the absolute most impressive part is that for his team this week, in terms of batters, Cameron Mabin put up 15.5 points for him, but in total, he got 14.8 points. <laughs> If he had kept Cameron Maven, benched everyone else, he would have come out ahead. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's impressive. I mean, and aside from, like, Matt Harvey, his starting pitching was basically useless. Like, Let's be honest. In, like, a couple of weeks when Matt Harvey gets re-injured, we can just say the same thing about his whole starting rotation. <laughs> like, a bigger question is, will Wes be in the league next year? That's what I want to know. Uh, on the other side of the coin, though, uh, Ryan, obviously 225, decent point total, but he didn't have to do too much. Uh, but he does own one Hunter Strickland, uh, so his his league morality rating is tanking, I would assume. That is... Like, I'm still mad over what Hunter Strickland did. Like, that is just the dumbest <laughs> thing I've seen in the league this year. Like, when your own teammates have to cart you off, when you're punching, like, Hunter Pence in the face, who's your own teammate, and was on the DL while he's trying to drag you off the field. Like, I legit haven't seen a dumber scene from a player, like, in recent memory. Well, like, do we think it was intentional? Yeah. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Do you, do you think it wasn't?
sorry, I, I stepped out for a second. You, you think it wasn't intentional on his part? Uh, like, the, based on where he hit him, it's pretty hard to, to think it's not. Like, square on the hip? Yeah. But my question is more why. Like, why did he hit him? It's a 2-0 game. Bryce Harper, I got is the best player on the Nats, but there's no blowout. There's no animosity before this. Like, what starts this? The reason that everybody seems to have come up with is that in the 2014 like playoffs, so the Giants won that season. But yeah. when they were playing the Nationals, Bryce Harper had like two ridiculous shots off of him and like admired the home runs. And Strickland has been mad since then. And this is his first appearance that he's gone to play against Harper since 2014. So he decided to take it out on him. But that's ridiculous. Two years and, and they won. Yeah, they won too. Like it's. Didn't the Giants win the World Series that year? Yes. Oh my god! What a <laughs> fucking piece of shit. Well, and there's this whole sub rumor now. I don't know if you've been following Twitter this evening, but apparently Hunter Strickland asked teammates to plunk Bryce Harper for him, and they wouldn't do it. What? Uh, and so he I... decided to to wait till 2017 to get his revenge <laughs> for 2014. Like he had to do it personally. Yeah. Well. You know what? He is pretty shit anyway, so it's probably good that we remember him for this because no one's going to care about him for anything else. On one hand, like, I gotta say, I'm impressed at, like, the sheer amount of anger this guy must have had or, like, his dedication to getting revenge. But it's just the dumbest thing we've seen this year, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Other than Wes and his team. Ryan's going to be angry that we didn't analyze his team and talk about how great his players are. Well, maybe if he was playing like in a real matchup, we would. <laughs> Gross. Yeah, he, he can go roster bait for now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so our top scoring team from last week, uh, breaking the 300 point mark in a in a great example of the weekly show boost, Mister Flex Fox. Uh, put up 300.2 points, uh, defeating Garth Newton, who had 252 points on his own. That's a that's a very good total for him. Uh, it, the the real question is is Flex happy now, or is he still somewhere in the the depression cycle? This is upset of the week, right? Cool. Like, like I had Garth Newton. Seriously? Sure. No. No. No, I, I'm not serious. This was this was just a shot of flex. I just think it's ironic that after, or funny, that after we were talking about how his team was doing so poorly that he just drops 300 points. It was after, like, he traded away a bunch of good players for nothing, too. So, yeah, it's like, even more confusing. Yeah, I agree. But I gotta say, looking at this matchup, like, I feel really bad for Garth. Like, his team performed extremely well, and to lose a week where you score 250 points, like, that that really sucks. It does suck. Poor guy. Yeah, I mean, he would have beaten all but, like, four other teams. So he just happened to, to come in against one of those teams. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, really unfortunate. So uh, I, I feel bad for him, too. And think of how much, like, fun we would have had, like, Rolston Flex, if he had lost his matchups. Like, it would have been, like, amazing. Mm-hmm. Flex might have left the league, though. And that would not be good. Because we would have to come up with a new league name, and the McInnes 
Fantasy Federation just does not sound as good. Well, that's a good question. If Flex were to leave, would we come up with a new name? Because, I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, toot my own horn, but I feel like the, the podcast and the branding around that has done a long way to make the Flex Fox brand like a separate entity. I agree with you, but even though you don't want to toot your own horn, I guarantee you somebody like Ryan will have no qualms advocating for himself. <laughs> no one would vote for that. And Ryan only gets one vote. Well, I don't know. Personally, I think the Penner P- Fantasy P- Federation is pretty good, but too many. We, we can workshop it when Flex does quit because <laughs> he loses the rest of his games or whatever. The problem is now, though, that Flex is like kind of accepting that he might not make the playoffs, and so therefore, if he doesn't, he won't be upset. Well, like I, I just don't know what's happened to the guy. Like I, I feel bad for him because, like you heard him on the episode last week, he had no fire, he had no intensity. Like he puts up three hundred points, I bet he like felt sad or like listened to like Vampire Weekend or something. Like you know, he has to, he has to really get that fire back, that that flexbox intensity. When do you think this started? Like him losing his fire? Like I feel like it happened even before the start of the season, really. I mean, when your top pitcher dies, you lose your fire. Okay. Like if, like if Chris Sale that died. That is kind of depressing. No, no, That's but, very, but, very real. But, but seriously, though, like, think about it. Like, he was, like, on top of the world last year. Like, yeah. didn't, didn't he make a video of everybody, like, photoshopped onto these people's faces after the first round of the playoffs? Like, mm-hmm. this guy was, like ready to go and then like in the off season he was still like pretty good pretty good but i remember like i messaged him the day of the accident and he just like didn't want to even have a conversation and like ever since then i think he's probably not been the same guy i mean his like photo is jose fernandez tipping his cap like this is evidence that he clearly misses his star pitcher and who could blame him like a team that would recover from this yeah like and it's not even like it would be the equivalent of losing, like, almost like losing, like, a Clayton Kershaw or, like, a Chris Sale. If if one of your pitchers just dropped yeah. off your roster. Well, he is like, right up there. Yeah, like, this is, like, there's more to this than, than, than me just, like, throwing it out there. I think this is, like, a legitimate thing, and, like, I don't blame him for that. Mm-hmm. I think you've got a very good point there. That's a, that's a cutting analysis. You know, and, and Flex, if you're listening, I mean, no one can walk in your shoes, man, but come on. Jose would want you to win. Am I right? Or is this yeah, just too real? Yeah, like, if this is too real, we can just, like, go back to the joke <laughs> shit, if you want. I mean, it, it's pretty real. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, definitely not what I was expecting coming into the episode. That's all I'll say. We're but, all uh, yeah. really fans of Flex at this podcast. Yeah, like he's he's we've got his name, so uh, a big group hug going out to Flex. Yeah, he's he's my mentor. Hey, Richard is still undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty wild. Yeah, he's, uh, he's eight and zero now. He we won two fifty three to two ten over Ian. Well, I mean, if you want to talk wild, it's wild that Jed Lowry was his top scorer. Jed Lowry has been like shockingly good. 
I don't expect this to continue, but I just don't understand yeah. what's happening in Oakland. Like all these random guys remembering like how to play baseball. And the yeah. team still sits. Well, their pitching's terrible, so Man, remember when Jed Lowry like first got called up and he was supposed to be like the savior of the Red Sox? That was I mean, a good time. He played for a team that wasn't the Red Sox. When anybody say this, like they just hype their own guys to a stupid extent. Mm. That's true, but I mean, like I definitely bought into it a bit, because uh, especially because that was when I was starting to get into fantasy baseball myself. So you know, you, you gotta love the top young guys then. So it's yeah. surprising that he's thirty three now. That's pretty. That's pretty crazy. Jeez. Ah. Uh. Uh, yeah, so trade Jed Lowry while he's hot. Um, and any advice for Ian? He had a really good week. Like, he got kind of lucky again, kind of like Garth, playing a team that was hot. I have no mm-hmm. idea how Richard's sustaining this. Like, that might be the story of the season. Like, for a team to be 8 no at this point, like, I guess somebody just has to look up to see if any other team has done that in the past. Like, this is just ridiculous at this point i'm pretty sure that someone has done this before I, well I, what did what did flex do last year i thought ryan was nine and oh last year or flex was nine and oh one of the two maybe i'm wrong i don't know uh, but i feel like it's flex more went- impressive to do it like in a year where there's a lot more parity like it isn't like none of us mm. predicted richard to do this no. Yeah, well, and that's the crazy thing. Like, at least last year, Flex went into the season being hyped as a as probably the top team. Like, Ryan, Richard has come out of nowhere to go eight and zero here. But like, I, I say this every week, but like, a lot of it is luck. Like, okay, Charlie Blackman scoring forty three points is probably like one of the more acceptable things on his roster. But like, Devin Travis was like absolute shit. When Ryan had him, and like Richard gets him in a trade, and all of a sudden Devin Travis is like a three fifty hitter, like he just knows how to hit. Like Corey Dickerson was on the waiver wire all last year. Richard like picks him up in a trade with Garth Newton, and like he's hitting. Think about like think about this. He is hitting three forty five right now, like almost two hundred at bats in. He's hitting three forty five. That's insane. Like. I'm not saying that, like, he doesn't deserve his record. He absolutely does. And, like, he's pounding the shit out of me this week already. But, like, I just, I'm, like, shocked. I don't know what to say. Like, no one saw this. Like, I don't know. Sorry, go ahead. You look at it as, like, relief pitching. And it isn't, like, otherworldly, right? Like, he has Sam Dyson. Who the heck knows why? With a total of one point on the season. Yep. Guys like Mike Dunn, who aren't all that impressive, like his team isn't exactly filled with star players. Like I don't even know outside of Blackman if there's really any like one elite piece on this team. Uh I mean I guess Tanner Roark's elite. No, no, I take that back. You're right. Blackman is probably like Jonathan VR coming into the season would have been considered like an elite player. Mm-hmm. Okay, but he's Buster not. Buster Posey graded his position. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Top three catcher, but like his team just like gets by with like marginal players 
outperforming their expectations. I mean, the one thing you can say, though, like just looking at this result compared to other recent ones, early in this season, he was getting by with wins with, you know, low 200s, high 100s, which is not sustainable. But this is the second straight week he's hit over 250. Uh, and he's he's done that twice before this season. So if he can keep this up and, and sort of string together a, a bunch of high point totals, like maybe there isn't a reason why he can't go further on this undefeated run. Yeah, like well, at I, this point, like I'd say he's a lock for the playoffs just because the amount of wins he's already racked up. So he should really just go for it because he's never going to have another year as good as this. Well, I will say that like management is part of it. Like he got 11 starts that week. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just looking. I don't know how they all turned out. But like if you think about the fact he's put in 11 starts for 253 points, it becomes a little bit less impressive depending on what he used, which I'm just trying to look. He used Miguel Gonzalez twice, Alex Cobb twice, Matt Shoemaker twice, and then Urania, Erasmo, Dickey, and Roark once. So, I mean, obviously not great quality starts, but nonetheless, like, probably better than streaming options. I mean, if you get 11 guys, then does it really matter? Like, you just clearly, you give yourself the most opportunities to win. Yeah. Yeah. All about volume. Yeah. It's true. So, how high do you expect him to finish at the end of the year? Well, see, I think the problem is still, like, in my head, I I just have to believe the other shoe is about to drop. And that, you know, he's a couple weeks away from just utterly collapsing and losing the rest of his games. But, like, realistically, I I think there's a good chance that he wins his division and that he wins Redacted. Okay. Uh, I I mean, like, let me look at the divisions. He's eight no right? But like, Kaminsky's there. Oh, Kaminsky lost last week. Yeah, you're probably. I'd probably agree with that. He's probably gonna win red red acted. Um, he's probably a top. Well, I guess he has to be a top four seed if he's winning his division. But I mean, realistically, he could be the number one overall seed, right? If he keeps this up. Like, sure. Like, rank him currently out of the four division leaders. Where do you rank him? One to four. Like, end of like season. It, like, where they're going to finish or how much I'd want to face them in the playoffs? Because I think there's a not, like a non-zero chance he finishes number one or two, but I would love to face him in the first round. Yeah, okay. that's a dream matchup. Not okay, so where... For a legit competition. <laughs> where, does, where does, as we all just demolish this guy where does he finish like at the end of it all first second third like i i think it's realistic to assume that cam will finish ahead of richard kelly agreed i I think that's a realistic like projection i also think that it's also quite possible that someone out of the jeffrey jungle will finish ahead of richard kelly but Mm. i'm not sure of that i don't think so okay so two we think he's number two? I think Ryan finishes ahead of him, too. At least just by pure weight. It's like, obviously, because he doesn't win yeah. his division. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if you look at his remaining schedule, like, he still has games to play against both, like, the Illuminati and Flex and Chow. So, I mean, that's, that's going to be a big swing right there if he loses a couple of those. 
Mm-hmm. But like for the meantime, anyway, like he's well on his way to going to nine and zero, and like I don't know his matchups coming up. I'm just gonna look. I, I think you mentioned it, and I wasn't paying attention. This is a really good I, point. Well, like looking at the games that he's played, this must be one of the easiest schedules ever. Like he played well, Wendy, he played me, he played Lem, he played Garth McKinnis and Ian. Like those are five horrible teams. Just to point out though, like he faces Jamil next week and he faces Mike Kaminsky the week after. So those are like two very difficult matchups. And if he fit, came out 11 and 0, I would be very surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Uh, so that's like, I don't think this is going to keep going. I don't think it's even sustainable. And if for some reason he does manage to continue this streak, our boy Nick faces him in week 12. So he's definitely going to lose that. Yeah, and you know there's no getting past me. <laughs> and, I mean, he still has, like, I'm just looking at his schedule. He still has, like, Chow. He still has, like, like Kaminsky, like we're talking about. Um, he has some easy matchups, too. But it's just, I don't think he's going to go undefeated. And he still has a matchup with Flex Fox coming, so. Yeah, someone really needs to make, like, a, a strength of schedule analyzer. Because especially with the way the scheduling is done in the league, like there's a, a big discrepancy right now between some good teams that have just played other good teams and Richard, who has maybe played a, a weaker competition field. Yeah, yeah, I'm. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand this. He plays Garth Newton twice in the last five weeks. I don't understand that. So I don't understand league scheduling. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm I'm just happy it's not my job. That's all I care. <laughs> I believe yeah. you play everyone in your division twice. So oh, that would okay, be well, well, lucky guy. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Cam, the the main competition for that top spot in the league. Uh, and yes, Cam did win again, but it was a close one. Uh, Aiden almost managed to pull one out, but it was Cam who came out on top, two sixty five, two forty seven. Uh, we we obviously all have a, a great deal in faith of in Cam now, right? Like he's been very good. I obviously like I believe strongly in the way that he set up his team. Like when you, he just has more players going every single day than anybody else. So even if his, like even if the rest of his team might not be as elite as some of this competition, like if you have three more relievers, you're just going to score more points. Now. This week, at least, he seems to have gotten kind of lucky. Like, Buck Farmer scoring 25 points, that's basically what decided it. And that came out of nowhere. So Aiden could have easily taken this. That's true. Although, let's, like, shout out the fact that he finds, like, fantastic pictures every week to be his, like, thing. Look at this current one. That's great. Like, wow. But he doesn't even run, like, a full offensive bench you know what i mean like he doesn't even have a full lineup like is this just like is this just like i wasn't around for this but it was just like bully pen when it occurred like is this just like a cheating of the system a a con if you will of exploit of cam just exploiting the system that he designs it isn't it isn't comparable to the bully pen like the bully pen was a day or it was an era where like the team that started the most guys would win every single week because pitchers were so overvalued. Like he had, I think, Mike Trout and maybe one other hitter on his team. And literally everyone else was relievers or starters. 
So at least now he has something resembling an actual team. Mm -hmm. Uh, Although I will point out, he does have two empty slots in his roster. He has no catcher. He has no second baseman. Uh, And if memory of the league constitution serves, if he has a third one, that's cause for disciplinary action. Uh, And so, uh, yeah. More than three empty slots. More than three? So you get three? Yeah. Yeah. So someone like Mike has been, had three empty slots for like the whole year. I, I just... But it, isn't that uh, different because he has DL guys and, like, his DL is full? Well, that's those are still empty slots, right? Like, DL guys aren't playing. And a lot of his DL guys are... Like, he basically drafted every single DL guy possible. So it's not like anyone's shocked that they're injured. The, the problem I have with this, though, is, like, why do we accept strategies like this? Like, why is the league scoring in such a way that like, this is an acceptable way to win. Like should teams not have to have the mandate, like, like a real baseball team would not just not have a second baseman or back at you. So why are we allowing it in fantasy? I mean, nobody has been super opinionated about this ever since the, like the changes in pitching rules. The only reason why it's possible this year is because ESPN has been like ridiculously liberal with how many guys they make RPS. Like last year, you couldn't do this. So I don't know yeah. why they changed their mind. Last year, there was like not this many RPSPs on Cam's roster, like total. Yeah. I feel like. Whereas you look at my team, roster, I have like at least six. And yeah. no team would have had anywhere near that last year. It's true. Well, and I'm not sure I have so much a problem with the strategy on the basis that, like, it's not like he's actively cheating. He's playing within the confines of the game. And if he does do as successfully as he has been doing so far, then that just means that people are going to start ripping him off next season and he'll have to find a new gimmick. Uh, So, yeah, I I think it's interesting to see how it plays out. But I'm not overly concerned about this, you know, tearing down the structure of our league or anything. Yeah, I mean, people have known about this, right? It's not like this is new. Contending teams should always do this. Like, there's no reason to have a bench guy if you're never going to use him. Yeah, well, and it's just like, I mean, on a much more minor scale, like, triples are overvalued in our league. If you get a guy with a ton of triples, like, if if someone gets called up tomorrow and all he can hit is triples, like, get that guy. Uh, But, uh, yeah, like, otherwise, you know, just use the system to your advantage. That's what real baseball teams are trying to do too and if you really want players like this i guarantee you there are guys in free agency who can do it right now yeah it's true yeah just just steal cam's player pool (laughs) (laughs) yeah would either Uh, of you consider him to be like a big threat in the playoffs or is this just something that you think works really well in the regular season? Well, I I think it's interesting in the sense that when it doesn't work, it really doesn't work, right? Like if Cam were to have a week where he, his pitching disappeared on him, like he would completely fall apart. And so from that sense, in like a one-week playoff matchup, you kind of like the possibility of that happening. But in another sense, he's not exactly had a great variation in his points scored to date. So from that point of view, you'd want to avoid him if you're feeling like you can't outscore him naturally. 
I just think he, he like I don't see why this would not translate to the playoffs. Like the no. MLB regular season will still be going on, so something like like not having a second baseman is something that like I actively think is dumb because like there are a lot of good second basemen that will score you more points than having a reliever well. So this is basically just throwing points away or not yeah. having a healthy center fielder. Yeah, I agree. But at the same time, like Cam's low week so far this season was 231 points, which is Gee. very good. And yeah, guess, it's hard to question. I guess even this week he has seven guys on the DL, so I guess we can cut him some slack. Yeah. I just... It's hard to critique him, but I just... I'm surprised that this is an acceptable strategy. That's all. Well, and like now that he's got all the guys on the DL, if there was a time he was going to fall apart, this would be it. So maybe yeah. that will happen yet. Uh, so another interesting uh, week eight matchup that I, I think we should talk about uh, would have to be Chris Kennedy. Uh, he won two eleven to one ninety five over Richard Tillo. Uh, Chris Kennedy now five and three above five hundred. Richard Tillo four and four. He's five hundred. The I mean, based on the records, you'd think that Chris would be ahead, but does this really sort of flip our perceptions here? I think Richard um, scored like a lot more points on the season as a whole, and. I mean, I don't think these teams are, like, totally different from one another, but I would probably give Richard a slight preference. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, I you know what, though? Like, long-term, I would much rather have Richard's team. Yeah. And it's not close. Like, when looking at Chris Chris's roster, like, I don't really know what I would do even like in his position you know like it's just a lot of mediocrity yeah I mean and the other thing to keep in mind here is Chris Kennedy did take a 25 point penalty so it could have been a one more like more one-sided matchup uh, but you're right like I, I would say Chris Kennedy has a number of good players but not a lot of great players yeah and I mean I don't know if, like, just having a bunch of good players is enough to make the playoffs, or you would rather have, like, two or three superstars or, like, lower-end players. But even with, like, the potential to make roster changes, it's just difficult for me to see what he would want to do, you know? It's also hard because this division is just... Well, they're both in the same division. But it's just so competitive, like, between Chow and Jamil also there, like... I don't see how either of these guys are going to make it ahead. Yeah, I mean, that's probably one of the toughest, if not the toughest division in our league, right? So, I agree. I don't know. It's hard. Good thing our division sucks, right, Nick? Yeah, that's the key thing. Key thing. Our division is straight trash. Like, <laughs> it is like, like yeah. with Jeremiah rebuilding as well. Like that's like five teams that I'm not even sure. Like there are some divisions where I 
maybe every single, maybe like three teams would finish ahead of every single team in our division. Yep. Well, I mean, trash in terms of on-field performance, maybe, but you got to think we have the best in terms of like quality owners. (laughs) (laughs) We have the most owners who are willing to do content. Hmm. Yep. We also have the most mysterious owner and Garth McKinnis. It's true. Uh, And we're back. Sorry about that. We had a brief audio issue, but thanks to the magic of audio editing technology, I'm sure you noticed no discrepancy whatsoever. Uh, And we're just going to get right back into it uh, by talking about Jeremiah's matchup. Uh, Jeremiah, you, of course, uh, were in a very interesting matchup against Ash. Uh, I think Ash took a, a little bit of your trash talk a little bit personally there, uh, and he decided that it was in his best interest to beat you. Uh, so he put up 247 to your 173. Uh, I bet you're feeling it. You you a bit disappointed with that one? Yeah, I mean, like I was telling Jatish, like I was working on a lot of different trades this week, so like I didn't even bother looking at the score, and then like... I ended up looking one day and I was just like shocked that I was doing so poorly. So it's unfortunate. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it's one of those situations where there's, there's not a lot you can do always, but uh, you know, your, your team kind of, kind of bottomed out on you a little bit, put up a disappointing total and uh, Ash really performed well. He had uh, a lot of guys going off. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And, I mean, Dozier and um, who else were we talking about? Oh, Adam Duvall. Like, they had really good weeks, so there's kind of nothing you can do, right? It's one of those things that, like, shows us how much a team can change from week to week. Like, he looked atrocious when he lost to me. And then he, like, finally shows some fight against Jeremiah. Figures, eh? Mm. Are you serious? What do you mean? What? Did we lose anybody? No. No? No. Nick just said, mm. Are you serious? I mean, the whole part about, like, Jose Fernandez earlier was serious. Well, now I... Jathish, say something. Yeah, 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 I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. (laughs) I I heard some static and got a bit scared (laughs) that we were going to have another brief audio mistake. Uh, this whole thing is so unprofessional. Yep. Nothing we can do. I mean, uh, when your league is named after Flexbox, you can't really expect any better. Well, I'm just hoping that one day Kaminsky will go through with what he's been promising to do for so long and actually buy a Detroit party mansion and we're all going to move in together. Like, that's the end goal for the league. Come on. Yeah, then we're going to show up. A bunch of squatters will already be there. <laughs> and like take all our money and then we'll just be sad it will be a very short end to our cult <laughs> yeah it'll be depressing uh so uh speaking of kaminsky he was in a matchup last week boy howdy uh and he was the loser he lost 253 to 198 to jameel uh speaking of trash talk i think jameel felt disrespected uh given that nobody picked him to win that matchup but he proved us all wrong uh with a with a big win there i mean it's more that michael proved us all wrong as much 
better was that Jamil proved us all wrong. Like, I think that Jamil, mm. like Jamil's been relatively consistent this year, but we definitely expect better from Mike. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to give more disrespect to Jamil. He's been very consistent, uh, very underrated so far, but uh, I think we all expected Kaminsky to do a little bit better than this. I mean, even if he did do better, though, like, 253 is a pretty respectable score. Sure. Camille would have, like, Mike would have had to put up more than 300 points, which, like, I guess isn't that outrageous. But Mike's also had a lot of weeks like this. Like, he's a very boomer bust kind of team, if you look at his point totals. Mm. He either does really well or he barely cracks 200. This is again what happens when you draft like every single injury-prone player possible. I still, Although I, I don't understand this as a strategy. Like, you're basically guaranteeing that a bunch of your team isn't going to be healthy. Well, I mean, his team is looking a lot better now. In fairness, like he, he's very close to healed up now. Although that's definitely left him with some tough roster decisions. I don't expect Rich Hill to be healthy for much longer. <laughs> or like Hyunjin Ryu. Like so many of these guys are like perennially injured. Even if they're back, we know they're not going to be back for long. And now Mike Trout's like even hurt, which is like somebody who you would never expect to be hurt. So mm-hmm. it's it's not the best strategy to have. My team, like this is also a product of the fact that his team relies a lot on older players. Players who are injury prone like Tulowitzki, like we're talking about. Um Robinson Cano is getting older. So to me, the older your team is, the more likely you are to have injuries, but maybe that's not an accurate assumption. And like like earlier Nick was talking about how certain owners like don't like to give away like picks and prospects and stuff to get better. But with like Michael, you kind of have the off- opposite problem where like if he has a player that just straight up sucks, even when they used to be good, he'll never trade them because he hates the idea of trading somebody at like the lowest point of their value even if it'll make his team better. And like, as a natural salesman who does it for a living, he will sell you like on literally anyone. Like you could pick someone off his roster. Like this absolutely garbage, like Wade LeBlanc. And he will tell you that Wade LeBlanc was a starter like six years ago. And there was like (laughs) a 25% chance that Wade LeBlanc is a starter again. And it's just like an ace waiting. And so he'll ask you for like a 16 when like there's no way anyone would ever pay this but it's kind of just like disrespectful like when i know yeah. that every like trade negotiation is going to start off with miguel, miguel sano like i just don't want to bother like it's just not worth my time like cam used to give me advice because we used to we had a class together and i would complain about kaminsky when we would have <laughs> trade discussions in class <laughs> and uh he told me the best way to deal with kaminsky is to just ask him for mike trout if you ask him for Mike Trout in a trade discussion, Kaminsky either A, won't want to talk to you, or B, he'll realize that like his own strategy of over-asking is probably not a good strategy to have. And this does actually work to a degree. Or you can just ignore um, Mike. But the thing that we're all missing out on is Mike's been on vacation for like three weeks somewhere without internet. So you're like in the midst of like a vacation reprieve from this, but the harassment will start soon. Yeah, see, I, f- I figured I should have realized he was on vacation because he'd been too quiet for too long. So, uh, yeah, can't wait till he comes back and it all starts up again. <laughs> to be fair, judging by his activity last year, like I don't know if being on vacation really makes a difference. 
dude doesn't pick up players anyway. It's true. Yeah, but maybe he could finally drop Travis Shaw. God, I hate Travis Shaw. <laughs> uh, so I believe we have one other matchup to look at from week eight. Uh, oh, no, we have two. Uh, hey, Garth McInnes, he beat Wendy. Yay! Uh, anyone have some brilliant cutting insights on this one? Uh, cutting like as insights. unlucky as he had been last year, like this is just embarrassing. Like I don't get how he keeps winning with these kinds of scores. Like this is basically the definition of like karma helping him out. Yeah, well, like three of Wendy's batters didn't play on Sunday, and Jordan Zimmerman got negative five points in his start. So <laughs> if she just didn't play those players and didn't run an offense at all, she would have had eight more points. So it's <laughs> yeah. Juan Piscotti's been out uh attending to uh family matters, which I believe means he's watching a marathon of the TV show Family Matters. So good for him, but uh she she's got some uh some problems with her roster right now. It's just like when you score 1,500 points, like there's only five teams with less points than you, and you're 500, something doesn't add up. Like, yeah. It's just. It's unfortunate. Is that really all you scored? Yes. 1,500 and change. He only has 40 more points than me. Wow. That's like, awful. Like, if you want a perspective of this, like, he only has 300 points more than Wes. Which like is not that much. He is, <laughs> in terms of points for anyway, he is ahead of teams like Jeffrey Lim, yourself, Wendy, and Wes, and that's it. Garth Newton has more points. Ian has more points. So Ian has a lot of points actually compared to what I thought he'd have. Ian is like the Garth Newton of this year. Hmm. So Ian actually has a positive point differential i think oh no he doesn't no, someone else that's ashley but you get my point he's just very lucky so like ash only has like 40 more points than ian right so like yeah pretty reflects pretty badly on ash but i mean but this is like this kind of goes to that strength of schedule argument right like some teams get a really easy schedule like i think garth has played wendy twice already hmm. so there's that. And our division is like really shitty. So So what I'm getting out of this is like teams like Wendy would do better if they got to play themselves. <laughs> no, what we should get out of this is that teams like Wendy would be even worse if they weren't in our division. Oh jeez. Well, it's hard to be worse than one and seven. <laughs> yeah, but who did she beat? Uh she beat Wes. Okay. Well, she, this matchup, though, like, she had a chance to win, is my point. Like, she, yeah. she could have won this matchup conceivably, and it wouldn't have been a shock, and no one would have batted an eyelash, especially, like, with 179 points being the winning score. But if you're in, like, the Jeffrey jungle, and you're getting, like, 300 dropped on you consistently, or at least, like, 250, there's no hope in hell that she has, a, like, a chance weekly to win, is my point. Sure. But, I mean, like, it... You know, fluky wins are going to happen no matter who you're playing or what week or what division. 
And so, I mean, at this point, her team is rebuilding so much that it's basically a buy. But that doesn't mean that, you know, she's not going to win a couple just by sheer dumb luck of the universe. I mean, there are also other teams that are basically buys. Like, she hasn't played me yet. So that'll be a real... I don't even know how to describe that. Well, as as a person that talks to Wendy, Nick, like, is she planning on being more active at the deadline to sell off? Because, like, I, she's not on Slack, and, like, I, I don't even know how to reach her, like, if I wanted well, to acquire her players. I mean, I think, I, I don't know. I don't want to put words in Wendy's mouth here, so I'll tread carefully. But I think it's a situation where she's felt disrespected by a lot of trade offers she's gotten so far. Uh, so I think her plan right now is to hold out for the deadline and, and then see where things are at, and that... Maybe maybe she's not so eager to field uh, trade calls when it's just, you know, bad shit after bad shit. But but this is, like, a problem in the league, like, wide... Like, it's a widespread issue. Like, this is not just Wendy, but, like, I find with people you have to go to them with offers. And then, like, you're obviously going to give them, like, your lowest offer to start and work your way from there. But, like, people are offended by this. But, like, nobody, it seems like, takes the initiative to propose trade offers. Or very few people do this. Like, how many offers in the SPN do you get a week? Because I get none. And that's, like... Yeah, I don't get... Sorry, go ahead. I, I, well, I don't get any in ESPN, but I talk to people about shit. And, like, I mean, I just feel like there are different expectations for the... Like, if your offer, if your first offer to me is such a lowball that it's, you know, it's that bad, not even worthy of consideration, like, the chances are that of us getting to, like, a happy medium eventually are just so low. So I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with cutting off trade discussions when they're clearly going to be unproductive. Like, I, I just think that it's a situation where some people have uh, vastly differing expectations sometimes. No, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying, like, there's a lot of people in our league who just sit and receive offers and then, but will not give sure. offers, right? Fair. And that's, that's a very poor way to operate, especially if you're rebuilding is, is all I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, I don't disagree. Sometimes it's good to take initiative. Do you remember the article you wrote about horrible trade offers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you ever just like quote lines from this to people? <laughs> no, I don't. No, I don't like remember the article that well off the top of my head. I'm gonna go look. <laughs> oh, I meant Nick. Oh, this this might Did have been I do like, it? Yeah, like oh, I think it was like something like a guide to how to respond to trade offers. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a good one. Like that that was actually like legit, really, really good. Yeah. Uh, that was last season, hence why I've forgotten it completely. Side note: Who put like the pictures on the articles for the website? Uh, me. <laughs> there's some fantastic ones with, with <laughs> these old articles. Like, there's a "Welcome to No Man's Land" article, and it sees three polar bears on an ice floe. <laughs> this is great. Some of them are flex. I'll, I'll give flex credit. <laughs> He he did a lot of the old ones, but yeah, no, there's some good ones out there. Oh man, there's some great ones like Ludacris putting up his hands. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, I like I'm not trying to trash talk Wendy in any way because I think that 
breaking into the league is a very tough thing to do for anyone. Well, she also had horrible team to begin with. Yeah, like her team was Phillips' old team, and like he had probably the worst team in the league. And no one really did anything because he dropped out really late to like balance his team whatsoever. So, like, think about it. That yeah. team was worse than the one that Payne had. Yeah, I don't even know how that was possible, but somehow <laughs> it was. <laughs> well, and I also think that a lot of the trades that like other rebuilding owners have made sometimes haven't been the most productive. Like if you've got a veteran player who has a hot week or two and you flip, like flip him for a marginal draft pick increase, like that's a really slow way to rebuild, you know? And so I th- I think sometimes you're better off holding off and trying to reel in a couple bigger fish instead. Well, she's also, had... <laughs> she's also had some assets like fall out from under her, right? Like Kevin Gossman is like, yeah. went from like, yeah. You could trade him to, like, nobody wants him. Jamison Tyone, like, obviously had that health scare. So, like, it's hard to to put a value on him. And Alex Reyes, like, she's she's not going to trade him ever. Mm -hmm. But even if she wanted to, he wouldn't have the value she wants, right? So, Mm -hmm. Jordan Zimmerman. Piscotti, too. Yeah, Piscotti, too. But, like... But there's a lot of players on her roster. Like, I'd be selling Starlin Castro. I would be selling, like, anyone who wasn't tied down, like Yasmani Tomas or Jason Hayward or Rajay Davis. Like, anybody that you think could have any value to anyone. And, I mean, with players... But you wouldn't... Sorry, go ahead. You wouldn't think that, like, a Hayward or a Davis would have more value at the trade deadline than they do now? Because I feel like just flipping them right now, you're not going to, like, who's going to pay that much for either of those guys? I don't think anyone's going to pay much for them anyway. But if you're going to get, like, value out of people at all, with especially players like Hayward and Davis, who are, like, in this, like, 10 to, like, 50% own range, like, they're not flashy. People aren't going to be like, I want that person. They're not going to go to you. You have to go to other people and sell Jason Hayward to, like, a team that's contending and being like, hey, I know that, like, your center field is, like, hurt right now or like it's kind of a weak spot for you but here's why i think jason hayward's gonna rebound and be good for you Mm -hmm. because like he's not jason hayward two years ago no one's gonna call wendy and be like hey i'll give you like all this shit for jason hayward didn't philip do this that my point is that like wendy and philip (laughs) i think are like the same person like you'd had to go message that that is an insult like that that is harsh not like baseball IQ. Wendy is much more brilliant than Philip, but they just like their mannerisms are like. What did Philip somewhat... give you for Jason Hayward? Uh. Well, remembering this like just make me mad because I feel like the answer is yes. Probably, I I can't even see what it was, so I can't remember off the top of my head. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what he did give me. Like maybe it was it wasn't Stephen Matz. I don't think. No, that was pain. Yeah, that was another idiot. <laughs> well, anyway, you see, we had one more matchup, right, Nick? <laughs> yeah, uh, and it happens to be the one that Jatish and I had. How crazy is that? Wow. Uh, and hey, I got the win, two hundred six to one forty six point seven. There's no idiots in this uh, matchup. 
Uh, Jathish, what was this like from your perspective? Honestly, for like the first three days, I was really embarrassed on your behalf because it was tied, <laughs> even despite my flying. And I was like, I would have been really amused if I managed to win. Even if it hurts my vase chances, like that would have been like a second, basically a pathetic performance by a team I played against. But then your team managed to show up. Jatish, what yeah, you like I- to find yourself? <laughs> like, when you announce in Slack that you're going to find yourself 25 points, like, do you do this Joel Embiid, like, face in the hand kind of thing here? Like, what do you do? I did that the first time. So this, is, this isn't even the first time I find myself this year. So the first time I find myself, I felt like an idiot. Especially because if not for that fine, I probably would have beaten Garth, too. So I think yeah. that would have had, like, a huge difference on my season. But, like, at this point, I felt that I felt the responsibility to, like, tell people that I wasn't intentionally, like, picking up a player to make my tanking easier. So it wasn't like I felt, like, that bad about losing the points. It was just an honest mistake. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, from my point of view, uh, when you did take that fine, I felt my chances of winning had drastically gone up. Uh, but then it, it was a little tight there for a, for a minute, but then you had a, a bunch of starters go Friday, if I recall, uh, and you you did not have that great lead, whereas I had all my guys on Saturday, so I was a little more relaxed then, but, uh, you know, not a great week, uh, kind of limped over that 200-point line, but yeah, sometimes it's all about the W, so uh, just got to go onwards and upwards from here. To be honest, you don't really want a great week in this week, right? Like, you want to save it for, like, a, a real comp competitor yeah exactly like this is a week i can afford to have you know bad pitching and and have all that stuff happen yeah uh so uh i believe that does it for week eight of course lots of upsets lots of ebbs and flows but uh very interesting to see where things go from here now and uh how teams respond looking forward into week nine Agreed. Uh, and speaking of week nine, we already have a barn burner in process. And once again, uh, it involves our friend Jathish, uh, who is currently winning uh, 127.4 to Mike Kaminsky's 125.9. Uh, Jathish, you've really rebounded week to week, haven't you? Yeah, I honestly have no idea how this is happening, to be honest. Somehow... Well, I've already started five pitchers, so that's part of it. And I'm maxing out tomorrow, which... Uh, <laughs> Good strategy. <laughs> I don't know if Bold that's move. ever happened before. <laughs> but I mean, like Mike has put up enough points that I think he'll still win. But I'm happy that my guys like have actually brought it this week. Even if it only boosts their trade value. That's what I care about. <laughs> Is it? Are you looking to make moves? Always. Yeah, I mean, I I would say that I would pick Mike Kaminsky and the Illuminati to win this one, uh, but after picking them last week, I'm not sure I can. I'm not sure I'm ready to trust again. So, Jathish might be winning this after putting up like 200 points by Wednesday. One yeah. Yeah, I can't. I can't pick uh, Jathish. I gotta go with Kaminsky. 
Uh, so our next matchup, uh, I mean, might as well just get all the all the self-serving stuff out of the way. Uh, I'm winning already. Uh, I've got 100.5 points. Uh, Garth Newton has 65 points. Uh, Garth Newton did have that big week last week, uh, but uh, will he be able to duplicate it? Will he be able to knock me off? What, what do you guys think? No. No. Um, I mean, he got a good start from Severino, but you got like a ridiculously good Mike Fires start. And this makes me really angry because I went to go pick up Mike Fires before you and all of my fucking trades meant that I couldn't pick up anyone because I couldn't put ah. Trevor Cahill on the DL like I needed mm-hmm. to. I couldn't drop any of the shitty players that I wanted to drop because they were already being dropped in trades. So they were locked. And I was like, no one will pick up Mike Fires because he's shit. But Nick did, and he got my 18 points. And it hurts. Uh, just looking at Mike Fires' transaction history real quick, he has been around this season, eh? Yep. Uh, uh, I draft. I drafted him. Wow. Then I dropped him. Uh, then he went to Aiden. Then he went to Chow. Then he went back to me. Then he went back to Chow. Then he went to Ryan. What? Then he went to Lim. Then he went to Ryan. Then he went to Richard. Uh, and now he's back with me. So, uh, oh, journeyman already. Yeah. Are you gonna drop him like tomorrow? Well, I mean, I was planning on it, but he did so well. That's true. Maybe he's finally turned the corner. You never know. Yeah. How many times do you think he's turned the corner this year, given his <laughs> cross? <laughs> turned right back. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the big problem for me is that I don't have great starting pitching this week. I, I would only have five natural starts, so mm-hmm. uh, I got to do a, a little bit of playing around with streamers and figure out who exactly I want to, to bring my team up. So, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully Mike Fires can be a, a part of that, but if not, uh, I, he might have to move on once again, like the littlest hobo of this league, just going wherever he needs to help people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this was his best start of the season. Oh, yeah. Like, what are the odds, eh? This is what I was anticipating when I drafted him, that at the end of May he was going to be hot. <laughs> Uh, well, we Are just you did sure my that matchup. You don't mean that he's going to be on fire. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> podcast is over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we just did Jathisha's matchup. Now we've done my matchup. So Jeremiah, it's only fair that we turn our attention to you. And uh, you had a lot of talk two weeks ago, I believe, about taking down Richard Kelly this week. Uh, you had him all lined up in your sights, and uh, so far he's been getting the best of you. He's got uh, 101 points. You have 46 points. Uh, you Do you still think the buck will stop here? You'll be able to take him down? I do not. I take back everything I've said about Richard Kelly. Um, I, like, I would have felt fine with the team I had before, but... I just didn't think that my team that I had before was good A, to win this year based on the landscape that I was seeing, and B, it definitely was not good enough to win more than one year. So I decided to kind of turn it over. So Richard should win this week. What kind of like reactions have you gotten from other owners about this? Um... I like I guess I don't know if no one's really done this before, right? Like no one's started out of the gate really well, but I know Flex was like, What are you doing? basically. Um 
everyone else just kind of like I had Ian message me telling me that all of a sudden I was into prospects again and that he was angry about that. I, I mean, other than that, that was pretty much it. Um, the closest thing I can think of is you're trading for Donaldson and then immediately dumping him. But that's different from being good and then like trying to build for next year. Well, like as much as I look at it, like I was like, Cam, like Ryan beat me already. And I just don't think when Ryan's healthy that I could beat him. Cam, like, I, d- I haven't played Cam, and I don't think I do this year. But, like, Cam is at least as good as I was. Richard Kelly has a better record than I do. And, like, potentially a better team, even when I had my team before. So, like, there's, like, two or three teams that are, like, at least conceivably better than me. So I didn't really see the point in going to the playoffs and losing in the semifinals out of the flex of last year. And then kind of like just like cargo would have been even worth even less because he would have been an FA or, or traded or whatever. So like, I just didn't think it was worth it. I thought, you know what? I want to be good for a long period of time and not rely on older players. So I'm turning things over. Hopefully be competitive in the near future. You think you're still going to win our division? Not I that don't. there is really much in the way of competition. No offense. I, I don't know. Like, I honestly don't know. Like, six and two. Garth McInnes is four and four. I lose a couple weeks and he wins. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to, like, say I directly benefit from this, but I I do feel like my odds have gone up. But, I mean, it's a bold strategy. I'm curious to see how this experiment works out for you. Because I know people have talked about it, theoretically, doing something like this. But uh, I don't think anyone's done anything close to this in practice before. Yeah, and it's not exactly rewarding me because Cody Bellinger struck out four times today. But and Jose mm-hmm. Rios was terrible. But I just think the long term the players I got back, especially for Paul Goldschmidt, were like just players that I believe long term have a very high ceiling and make my team deeper and more well rounded in years to come. And so that was like a hard deal to pass up. And then I thought once I took that, there was like no point in taking half measures. Like I might as well just sell off everybody who is older and has a pulse over a certain age bracket and then just try to get younger. So, right. That's where I'm at. Hmm. Wilson Ramos. Thinking about that, like trade you're made with Garth. Like I, I know I've said this in the past, but like, I still don't understand why he did it. Like, I don't understand. Like, isn't he supposed to be rebuilding too? Like why put all your eggs basically in one basket? Well, I talked to him today a little bit because we were talking about something else and it didn't come to fruition. But he was saying that like he just thought it was easier to build around Paul Goldschmidt than like anything else that he had. Which like that's hard to argue, right? Like Paul Goldschmidt, whether you like mm-hmm. him or not, is probably a top ten fantasy player to most people. Maybe even mm-hmm. higher than to than that to some people. Like he's definitely he's the top. A, he's truly a gold fantasy player. <laughs> He's like the top one or two first baseman. So he's definitely someone you can build around. Carlos Gonzalez was somebody that he wanted before this deal ever was mentioned. And so I put him in the deal for him to get it done. But clearly I picked the wrong pitcher because Luis Severino had a great game. I mean, when you start four guys and your pitching as a whole scores, well, your starters scored at one and a half points, like you're never going to win. I know. Yeah, uh, that's that's a bit of an issue. It's tough. Yeah, <laughs> what do you do? Uh, yeah, 
Oh, on to more happier things. Flex is kicking ass, which is great. Yeah, Flex uh, also having a big week. He's got 100.9 points. Garth McKinnis, 39.4 points. So uh, maybe some justice for each of those teams. Flex gets a, a win he deserves. Garth McKinnis gets a loss he definitely deserves. Trevor Bauer, kick and butt. Flex will win this easily, right? Has to. It, I mean, I'm not sure I want to say easily with anything with the McKinnis involved, but it, it does seem like this is a, a solid one for Flex. And like since he's been on the show, his point total has gone up a lot. He's got the bounce. Yep. Uh, another good matchup to to watch this week uh, is, uh, I guess, speaking of McInnes's cam uh, against Chow. Chow trying to re- rebound from that awful performance he had. Uh, he has uh, gotten the lead, gotten the best of Cam so far. Fifty-eight point seven points. Cam thirty-four point eight points. Uh, we were talking about this a little bit, but uh, do we think this is where it all falls apart for Cam just because of the, the injuries and everything? I'm really looking forward to this. Like, I think this will be... Well, I haven't looked at the other matchups this week, but I think this will probably be one of the best matchups this week for sure. Uh, right now, I think Chow started one more guy, so that's like a big part of the difference here. But, like, hopefully we... Like, Chow should be super motivated to do well this week. Because if he goes 3-6, and six, like, I'm not sure we can, like, really at all, like, predict that he's going to make the playoffs. So I definitely would expect him to make some moves to improve his team. And given that Cam's team is already kind of banged up, like, you have to expect Chow to win here. Yeah. Like, I think I think Chow will definitely should win this matchup. But if he doesn't, like, will we see him sell off? I don't know, but I agree with you. He has to do something because three and six is like almost a death sentence. The other thing to consider, like if he does sell off, like does he give up on his gimmick become like (laughs) anti-American? Yeah. That would be a fun turn. It would. Yeah. I can get behind this. Uh, I have been, uh, I can't lie, uh, I don't think Chad will mind me sharing this, I have been maybe lying a little bit in some of my discussions with him about which guys are really from America. <laughs> uh, I may or may not have suggested that Victor Martinez was actually born in Iowa, okay. uh, which is, is, is just, you know, a different way of pronouncing Venezuela where I come from. Uh, so looking around uh, a little bit more, uh, we've got uh, a bit of a, an uneven matchup in uh, Jamil against Wes. Uh, Jamil's uh, 67.1 points, Wes 41.2 points. Uh, will Jamil reel off another sneaky win here? I mean, we got to pick him, right? Otherwise, he'll be mean to us on Slack again. This, this is not sneaky, but beating Wes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like... If I put a cardboard cutup out and I punch it in the face and it falls over, like that's not sneaky. I'm not strong. I just mm. have low self-esteem and don't like cardboard. Jamil, so don't what be sad. Learned is that Jamil has low self-esteem and doesn't yeah. like cardboard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Well. Uh, Jamil's anti-cardboard run uh, will continue here, I think. Uh, another one to, to keep an eye on. Uh, Aiden took a tough loss last week, but he's back so far in week number nine with 70.6 points. Uh, Chris Kennedy, 64 points. Uh, boy, it's it's a close one so far. Uh, I, I, right now, just based on that scoreline, it could still go either way. Uh, how do we, how do we feel about this one? Uh, I'm going to go Aiden. I think like he's been getting a lot of good performances from like Conforto and, and Redick and due to swinging the bat. Well, so I'll go with Aiden. This is really hard to decide. Like they're so similar. It's true. I'm going to take Chris because he seems to have more relievers on his team. And I feel like that'll decide this. Uh, I have a lot of reason to like both guys. Uh, Chris still has Keon Broxton, my man. Uh, Aiden, uh, he's got, I don't know, uh, Josh Tomlin. Oh, that's right. I gave him Tomlin. Uh, so, yeah. I, I, okay, then I'll pick Aiden because he's got the good trade really juju cool. from me rubbing off on him a little bit. Uh, and also, Irvin Santana is a two-start pitcher this week, and that's going to help him. Yeah. Uh, so jumping right into the next one, uh, we have uh, a classic, classic matchup, in the sense that it's the first time these two teams are meeting. Of course, I'm talking about Ian and Wendy. Uh, Ian, uh, as we talked about, maybe has more points than his record would indicate, and he's showing it right now with 96 points to Wendy's 34.4. Uh, Jeremiah, would you say this is another cardboard cutout scenario? Yeah, I mean Ian has a good point total relatively to his record so i'm gonna go with ian i think uh wendy drew a short straw not playing somebody from our division this week it's gotta be yeah i mean what Hmm? yeah yeah it's definitely ian i agree too uh wendy uh, not having a great start to the week either so i'm not sure playing a divisional matchup would help her so much here but uh it should be a strong performance for Ian, and hopefully he can see that high point total continue while also getting a W. I have no idea how Zach Holzar is doing this. Like, I know Ian thinks that he's like the next Daniel Murphy, but like, I I legit don't understand. Like, he basically came out of nowhere to start hitting for power. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I'm a big Zach Cozart believer. I I don't think he can keep this up very much longer. Uh, he's been a, a good story, a great flash in the pan, but he's got to come down to Earth soon. Uh, so I, I believe we have two more matchups to look at. Uh, I think first we'll take a look at Ash against Richard Tillo. Uh, Richard Tillo, 4-4, four and four, Ash, 5-3. Uh, and it's Richard who is up 65.3 points to 61.6 for Ash. Uh, again, two very evenly matched teams, uh, and two teams. Uh, Richard coming off a t- tough loss where he put up a, a bit of a low point total. Ash coming off a fortuitous win uh, over Jeremiah, some would say. So, uh, who who you got and why? Uh, 
I got Richard, even though he used two really bad starts tonight. I just think that he'll get more starts than Ash will. And if nothing else, Richard will manage his roster better. I mean, I don't know if that's really saying much, considering we're talking about Ash here. But I feel like we're also just... Like, when I look at these two teams, I feel like I'm just flipping a coin. Like, none of them really stand out. Yeah, I mean, between both of them, uh, not really a lot to pick between. Uh, I would say that, though, that's a a good point, that uh, there were some bad starts tonight uh, for Richard. Things did not go his way, uh, and they didn't go his way on Monday night either. So uh, I think just because of that, Ash might be able to sneak out a win with uh, a couple of good starting performances yet. I think... I don't have really that much confidence in this. I'll go with Richard, just because I think his hitting is maybe a tad better. But I really think like both these teams... Like, they're basically on the verge of being playoff contenders. There's so many teams in our league that really just need to make, like, one or two moves, and then we could, like, easily consider them to be contenders. And both these guys are up there. And I feel like if they don't succeed at the end of the year, it's basically their own fault for not being active enough. Right. Uh, but it could also go the other way. They make a couple couple moves, they fall down uh, a fair bit further, and then... Uh, Maybe they start looking towards the future. Uh, so our final matchup, we've got one more to look at for week nine that's coming up. Uh, but don't worry, it's the most exciting one of all. I've saved the best for last because we have Ryan. Uh, he is up early, uh, 85.9 points. But he is taking on the hottest <laughs> owner and the hottest team in the league, Jeffrey Lim. 66 points. Can Jeffrey Lim make it three in a row? Can he upset every expectation and win not one, not two, but three weeks in a row? Yes. I and flat out refuse <gasps> to bet against Jeffrey Lim, especially yeah. since like when Ryan appears to still own the clubhouse cancer, Hunter Strickland on his team, like you know that <laughs> the morality, like the morality demons will make sure that Lim takes and like you could already tell that this is emotion because Elvis Andrus had 16 points tonight mm. so I mean Ryan's going to do everything he can do in this matchup but it will be futile I mean I can't lie I was really hoping I was setting you guys up for a joke where you guys were going to be like no Lim's terrible Ryan's going to win but uh I you know I guess we're all on board the Lim train like let's go yeah. uh, I'm very excited to see him win another week here with this ragtag group that's all heart and little skill but it's all the heart that's what you bat with so uh yeah I I want a big comeback from Lim and I want him to knock off Ryan and uh, make it happen. <laughs> and especially, like, I think this game means a lot more to Jeffrey than it does to Ryan. Like, if you think about it, judging by what his, like, profile, like, picture has been, or his logo has been for, like, the last five weeks, like, clearly this is a matchup he's been looking forward to. I can't see him, like, not giving him, not giving it his all. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, this this is the championship for Lim, really. Like this, this is what it comes down to. You know, he could win every other game, but if he doesn't knock off Ryan here, then what was even the point? So, uh, I think that sort of motivation, 
uh, especially with Ryan maybe looking past this matchup. Uh, that could be the difference in the end, the the raw energy. Couldn't agree more. Uh, well, I think that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Weekly Show. Uh, covered a, a lot of great matchups, both last week and this week. Uh, do you guys have anything you want to add before we sign off? Uh, well, then I will just say thank you to uh, our special guest host, Rockin' Jaff, this week for uh, coming in and being such a such a great co-host. Lots of strong opinions. A lot to, lot to reflect on, really. Uh, Jeremiah, great as always, truly the whiz kid, was in the house. Uh, I am the man, Nick Penner, uh, saying to you, all of you out there, good night and good fantasy.